Amen, amen. Nobody like Jesus, amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 16. While you're turning there, I'll say, as I always say, what an honor it is to be in one of the greatest churches in Tennessee, yay, in all the world. <laughs> now listen, I know that's what you're supposed to say, but I really mean it. I, if, you, if you know me at all, you know I love this church and so blessed to be here. Um, you have some of the most amazing pastors that I've ever met. Um, they're real people. Uh, they love people. Uh, they love the kingdom of God. And uh, the Beechams are special to me and my family. Always so kind to us. They make us, they make us want to be better people. Amen? Amen. You're blessed. Why don't we just give them a hand clap of honor right now? <laughs> and then give honor to all the leadership. Brother and Sister Wilson, we've come close with them. Our friends love them a lot. They've been very kind to us every time we're here in this weekend. Just been a, a great time. And if I go down the list, we, we've just made, we're starting to feel like this is, this is like second home. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some people might say first home. But if you ask my son Grayson, he, uh, he leaned over to Lauren a second ago. Uh, if you don't know, that's my wife. And uh, when Brother Beecham was announcing the Father's Day service, he got really excited. He said, Mom, can we stay till next Sunday? <laughs> so we're going to let him stay. So I hope you guys have fun with Grayson. Uh, now I'm going to be in trouble because he'll really believe that. But My wife is with me this time. And then two of my kids, we left... Um, we, we dropped the third one off a couple, what was it, yesterday? We'd had all we could take, so. <laughs> Y'all laughing, I'm serious. It was, whew, I don't know why we had three kids. I'm just telling you. The Lord knows better than us, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But So he went with his grandmother so that he could stay alive and stuff, so. But uh, I am honored to have my wife here. I love her. Um, this is the part where a lot of preachers would tell their wife to come up and sing. So I've been messing with her all day. Like, babe, I hope you got a song in your spirit tonight because I'm going to call you up. So, babe, if you'll just make your way. <laughs> no, I'd rather stay married. So, Hey, it was packed in here this morning. Hey, I hope you guys are in a building program. Because it was a lot of people, man. I hope you guys need a new building. Are you excited about that? Man. I didn't tell, I didn't tell Lauren. I, 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 I guess it was earlier in the year I was here. And uh, Brother and Sister Beecham walked me through. It was just concrete and basically just a skeleton of a building. And man, I'm telling you, I was so excited just seeing that. And then whenever I uh, went Thursday night for rehearsal, I don't, I don't know that I was expecting to see what I saw. I just blown away. You guys, I hope you know what God has done. You know, I, what's, what, what's ringing in my mind is look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. So I purposefully didn't tell Lauren anything. I didn't tell her anything about the building. Uh, so she said when she passed that, I guess it's a tire shop. She said she could not believe her eyes at what she was seeing. And just, you guys are blessed. You guys are, God has been good to Lexington, amen. 
God has been good to this church. And my understanding is that this is the last Sunday service in this building. And I was thinking about that this afternoon, and I'm telling you, I, you know, some of you grew up in this church. The lady who prayed this morning, I mean, she's a pillar in this church. Where's she at? Where's she? Raise your hand. Sister Bra she could, if, if we let her, she could probably just preach tonight. And uh, maybe she should. But I, I, was, I was just thinking and meditating and praying this afternoon. And man, I just started thinking about all the miracles that this church has seen. All the people that's walked through those doors and been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And all, all, of the, all of your family members that wouldn't have a chance if it wasn't for what happened in this room. And, and uh, I, I don't know, my spirit is thankful and I'm not even a part of this church. I, my spirit is encouraged and I, I'm not even here. So I can only imagine what you're feeling and uh, the thankfulness in your heart. But man, if these walls could talk, Brother Beecham. If these walls could talk. God is good, amen. I, I wanted to preach something tonight. And uh, on the way over, my wife said, what are you preaching? I said, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> that's a dangerous spot to be in. Because the truth is, is Brother Beecham, I had a message that I wanted to preach. Uh, it made sense that this would be the last service and it made sense that that message would be what I should preach. It was a victorious message. It was a, it was a triumph message. It was, it was something that we would get really, really, really excited about and I wanted to preach it. But the more I looked at it and the more I prayed over it, I just couldn't get it settled in my spirit. God wouldn't let it settle and then he began to direct me to somewhere else and, and you see you, you're blessed you're blessed with, a, with an amazing building that's coming up but Brother Ryan Dean I don't know if you caught it this morning but he, he preached it he said it he said that that's just a means to an end and, and really when it comes down to it and I don't mean to diminish and I'm not trying to come in and be a downer but that is just brick and mortar I, I know you guys, you're a mission-minded church. I, I've stood few times, but I've stood in the middle of huts, in the middle of nowhere in third world countries where they don't have anything and felt the powerful presence of God. And so God is not relegated to brick and mortar. It can happen anywhere. But I couldn't escape that to whom much is given, much is required. And, and while we understand that God is limitless and God can move anywhere, my Lord, how blessed we are to have wonderful buildings and edifices that we can gather and worship together in. Amen? So I'm going to preach this tonight. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look at your neighbor and say, What's up, creature? I didn't say what's up preacher make sure you get it right <laughs> to every creature and then if you'll flip back to Matthew chapter 9 <clears throat> verse number 37 Matthew 9 verse 37 Jesus speaking said then saith he unto his disciples the harvest is truly plenteous yeah. means there's a lot of it yeah. just out there just waiting but what's the problem, Jesus? He said, the harvest isn't the problem. It's plenteous. There's enough of it to go around. Thank you, brother. Give him a hand. Ministry of what? The harvest isn't the problem. He said, but the laborers are few. 
when he looked out, when he said, well, what's the condition? He said, I can see that the harvest, it's going to be fine. What we need are labors. And Jesus made a prayer request. He said, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. So for just a few minutes, I'm going to preach a really simple title, and it's just called Go. Will you pray, Lord Jesus, we need you tonight. Would you lift up your voice and pray right now in the name of Jesus. We need you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would anoint tonight. God, unless you build the house, David built it labor in vain, God. So don't let this just be a work in the natural. But Lord, I pray that this would be a work in the supernatural tonight. I release the supernatural into this place right now, God. And I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord. That you would anoint, Lord, your word is already anointed. God, anoint me to preach what you put on my heart. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, look at somebody else and say, go. You and I, every person in this room, we've been commissioned by God to reach the people in our world. Now, whenever I was a young person and I used to hear about we got to reach our world, that seems like a pretty daunting task because the world is, is quite large. How many people are in the world? About eight billion, I think it is. Seven and a half. Thank you, Jared. He's really smart. He's a fact checker. He's got like encyclopedia out up here. I'm just kidding. Seven and a half billion people. It's really impossible to think that we could reach our world. And then whenever I got older, I understood that, that for me individually, I have a world that I have influence in and that that's what God is calling us to reach. So individually, we're supposed to reach our world, the people within the sphere of our influence. And, and the truth is no one, no one is free from the mission. No one checks out from the mission of reaching the world. Your, your ticket out of that task is when you stop breathing air. Whenever you cross over into glory, you're done. But as long as you're breathing, and some of you are struggling tonight because it's a little hot in here. <laughs> Y'all need a new building, praise God. But as long as you're still breathing air, albeit hot air, you are not free from the mission. It's not just up to missionaries in third world countries. It's not just up to a pastor in a local church. It's not just up to a youth pastor or a Sunday school leader. Everyone is called and commissioned to reach the people in our world. It's up to every one of us. It's what we were created to do. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John chapter 12, verse 46. He said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And then over in Matthew 5 and 14, he said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now it sounds like there's a little conflict there. Initially he said, I'm a light. And then he looked at them and said, You're a light. So I, I want to say, Jesus, which is it? Who, who's the light? Are you the light? Or are we the light? And the answer is both. Jesus is the light of the world. 
We are the light of the world. And here's what you have to understand tonight as apostolics filled with the Spirit of God. The moment that you receive that precious gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God living on the inside, you became an instrument of light. Jesus said we're like a city on a hill which cannot be hid. And here's what you have to understand. We were not saved from darkness to remain hidden. We were saved from darkness so that we could let the light of Jesus, the light of hope, the light of salvation, it's supposed to shine through us. Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus yet again as he was instructing his disciples. We opened with it, Mark 16 and 15. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You have to understand the timing of this scripture, when this happened in the time. He said, you need to see that Jesus was giving the disciples this commandment. It was just a few weeks after he had been crucified. It was just a few weeks after he had been raised from the dead. And, and, I, and I don't know about you, but I can only imagine what the disciples were feeling. That they watched their Savior. They watched, their, they watched Jesus, the Messiah. They watched him crucified and brutally beaten and died on the cross. And, and they thought all was lost. And then they, then they raised from the dead. And, and then they had some time with him. And now again, he's, he's leaving them again. He's, he's going on to the next thing. And, and I'm sure the disciples had all kinds of things going on in their mind. He was about to be gone again. He was about to be received up into heaven. And I'm sure they were wondering, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Jesus is leaving us again. And of all the things that Jesus could have told them, of all the instructions, of all of the things in that moment, knowing the fear, knowing the worry, knowing the questions that was probably happening in their mind of all of the things, the instructions that he could have given them. One of his last orders that he gave them while he was on earth with them was to go and to preach the gospel. What that tells me is that that must be a really important instruction. If that was the last thing that Jesus told the disciples and those with them was to go and preach the gospel, I'd say we ought to be paying attention to what that instruction was. So you got to see this. The death, the burial, and the resurrection would have all been for nothing if everyone would have just stopped preaching about, the, about, about Jesus. If everyone would have just stopped and said, enough is enough, we're good. He did what he said he was going to do. That's amazing enough. We're going to check out now and just go fish in and hang out and have a good time. And I like to fish. Don't get me wrong. Braden took me fishing. I think we lost a seven-pounder. Where's Braden? You know what they say is a good fishing partner, this is not in, yeah, this isn't spiritual at all. <laughs> a key to a good fishing partner is you have to have a good net man. Right? Who fishes? Any fishermen in the house? Okay, there's a, this lady, before some of you guys, this lady raised her hand right here. Well, Braden, I apologize publicly for that. That would have been a nice uh, Facebook picture. About a seven pounder, his mouth was about that big. That's nothing, why am I telling that story, Sister Beecham? But anyway, sorry. If, if they would have just stopped preaching and gone back to fishing and gone back to working and gone back to raising their kids, I think it would have been quite a disappointment to Jesus since his last instructions were to go and preach. The, the death, the burial, and the resurrection would have all been for naught. 
It would have all been pointless had they not received the final instructions of Jesus in that moment. The cross and everything that Jesus did would have all been pointless if the disciples would have been content to have just experienced all of that for themselves and never shared the gospel with anybody else. And here's what we all need to understand tonight. The gospel... The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that story, that powerful story, it came to you trying to get to somebody else. The gospel came to you, Brother Gleason said it best. The gospel came to you and it came to me in an effort not to die in me or to die with me, but it was trying to get through me and into somebody else. So I don't know about you, but I have refused. I've made up in my mind that I'm not going to be a dead end to the gospel. I'm not going to be a cul-de-sac to the gospel. I want to let the gospel flow through me. I want it to come out in my conversations. I want it to come out when I'm at the grocery store. I want it to come out when I'm doing what I... I want it to flow through me. So we got to do what Jesus told us to do, and that's go and preach the gospel. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I don't, I don't have a microphone. I don't have my ministry license. I don't have a platform to stand on or a pulpit to stand behind. I don't even have a good preacher voice. Listen, we mess up when we limit preaching to what happens behind this pulpit. We, we mess up whenever we relegated that proclaiming the gospel requires us to be in a building with a microphone. We put limitations on a limitless God when we think we gotta have a sound system and screens and lights for the gospel to be preached. That word preach, hear it. That word preach isn't limited to stand behind a pulpit with a microphone in front of a crowd of people. It literally means to openly proclaim something that has been done. That's what it is. When you look at the meaning of that, you openly are proclaiming something that has been done. So every time you tell somebody about Jesus, you're preaching. Every time you're in the grocery store and you encourage somebody, you're preaching. Every time you share what God has done in your life, guess what? You're preaching. When you share your testimony, you preach. And that's what Jesus was telling them to do. Go and tell them about what I've done. Get out there and start preaching. Tell somebody about Jesus. He was telling them, you gotta go. Now I'm gonna get on a soapbox. Because I love good church. Who loves good church? Amen. Ain't nothing like good church. I'm talking about good old aisle running church. Holy rolling. You guys you got still got holy rolling. Holy rolling church. Snot dripping. I mean, like, I don't want to be too ugly, but we got this kid in our church. You can tell the Holy Ghost is moving because he, he leans over like this and he gets to praying so hard, Sister Beecham, and, and a big old, like, string. I'm going to keep going. I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's like, and it just... It's just like all the way. And you know, it's almost like a measuring stick. The closer that thing gets to the floor without breaking, there's the deeper the move of God. And then you got, then you got people. I don't know, you guys have tissue ministry people? You got those people, they're like, I mean, they're like military. They're 
They're looking for the snot dripping people, you know. And they're on the side and they're looking down the aisle, you know, looking down. Oh, oh there's one right there. And they come down and, and they, you know, they got to they gotta be spiritual about it. So all the way there, they're blessing, brother. Blessing, brother. And they look around, you know, rubbing it. Maybe that's just in Goodlettsville. We're weird, I know. I love good church. I, I remember we used to joke, but I think it's kind of real. But, you know, you could tell how good a church you had on a Monday. We'd go in afterwards and we'd go into the altar and we'd count bobby pins. Oh, there's one right there. It was a five bobby pin night. Hallelujah. And then when you sweat through your dress shirt, tonight it ain't got to be good church. You're going to sweat through I'm afraid to take this jacket off. I don't want to offend nobody. I love good church. Messing your hair all up. Devil stomping church. I love it. I love good preaching. And we apostolics, we love the Holy Ghost. Amen. We love to quote Acts 2.38. And listen, from the time you, if you were, if you were bred and born as an apostolic, Acts 2.38, your parents probably tried to teach you that before they tried to teach you mommy or daddy. And when you, whenever you quote Acts 2.38, you can't just quote it. Michael, where are you at? Michael Beecham. Come here, Michael. Give it up for Michael Beecham. <laughs> Michael had no idea this was about to happen. But Michael's going to illustrate the proper way to preach Acts 2.38. Now, don't, don't let me down. <laughs> I mean, you got it like gusto, like preach it, okay? Acts 2.30, do you need them to put it up or are you good? I think I'm good. Okay. All right. I'd like to introduce our camp evangelist for the night, Brother Michael Beecham, quoting one verse of scripture, Acts 2.38. I'm going to take this back to how I heard preachers preach back in like the, the 90s when I grew up. Then Peter said unto him, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody get up for Michael. If you don't say it like that, don't say it. Just don't say it. <laughs> Quote John 3.16 or something. Just don't say it. We love Acts 2.38. We love another one. That's, it's, I mean, it's like a pillar. Acts 1 and 8. And it says, you shall receive power. Somebody say power. power. Yeah. Ooh, I felt the wind on that. I'm going to let y'all just keep doing that just so I get a little... You receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And preachers at conferences everywhere. There's, ah, you receive power. Wow. The whole church is going nuts, hanging from the 13 chandeliers. And, and then they stop. They stop. They stop right there. But I don't know if you know this, but there's more to that verse. There's a, there's a semicolon. It's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. You're going to get power. And then we love it. But there's a purpose to the power. And then he continued, and you'll be my witnesses unto me. Wait a second. I just want the power. What do you mean this whole witness deal? I, I, I'm comfortable with coming to church and feeling the power. 
I'm comfortable with coming to church and just stopping at the semicolon. But we can't stop at the semicolon. He said, you're going to be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is timely. Oh, my Lord. I put this. You know what that tells me? That that's a multicultural revival right there. It wasn't just a white revival. I'm not going there, Pastor. You can do that. It's for all people. It's for everybody. And the only way it gets to everybody is if we get past the power. Don't leave the power. Take the power with you. Get past that semicolon and be a witness to all people. So he gave you the Holy Ghost. Why? To be a witness. I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to mess with you. He didn't give you his spirit just so you can feel goosebumps on your goosebumps. He didn't give you his spirit just so you can run up and down the aisles and dance and shout. He didn't give you his spirit just so you can come in here and say amen and, and shout hallelujah. That's not the only purpose for his spirit. The truth is we got too many apostolics that are so full of the Holy Ghost, but they ain't doing nothing with it. We better be careful that we don't turn our Sunday and Wednesday gatherings to become more about us than it is about being a witness. Come on, preacher, preach that word. Come on, worship leader, sing my song. Come on, somebody, feed me. Somebody, feed me. I need more. But God never intended for us just to come in here week after week and revival after revival and keep experiencing his power here and then never do anything with it. He said, you got to go into all the world. Listen, the moment you leave this campus, you are entering your mission field. When you walk out the doors, you're walking into a world, into a community, into a store full of people who desperately need to experience the power of God's spirit. There are people in our city, there are people in Lexington who are hungry. They don't even recognize that it's hunger. They just know that there's a longing deep down inside of them for something more than what they have. And God forbid that we have the answer and we sit in it in our padded pews and in our padded seats and hold it hostage in the four walls of the church. Who better to tell him? about the answer who better to tell him about the power who better to tell him about what he can do than the people who've experienced it he gave you his spirit and he gave you his power not so you could bottle it up but so that you could be a conduit in which he flows through we ought to see more people being filled with God's spirit we ought to see more people being baptized in Jesus name we ought to see more healings and signs. I don't know about you. The older I get, the more and more I'm longing for that. I'm longing to see those things more and more. I don't want to just hear about it on the mission field. I want to see it in Goodlettsville. I want to see it in Lexington. I want to see it in the state of Tennessee. I want to see it in our country. We ought to see more of it. But we got to believe that God can still do it here. Did you catch that? It's not an ability thing. God has the power. It's a belief thing. It's an expectation thing. 
I want to walk through those doors and I want to come into this house with not just an expectation that I'm going to sing my three songs and I'm going to clap my hands and I'm going to amen the preacher. I, I believe that something has to shift in our mind that there is a different expectation when we walk into the building. No longer, I hope this is okay. No longer is it about me. I want to walk into the building and say, God, who is here today that needs a touch from you? And I'm not, I'm not naive enough to believe that there's not going to be times when we need a touch. I've been in this all my life, and I come in sometimes empty myself, and I get that. But it ought not be every single service. I want to walk into the church with an expectation that, God, who are you going to fill with the Spirit today? Now, God, are you going to do anything? God, who is getting their miracle today? God, who's walking out differently than they came in? I believe the addicted can still be set free. I believe sickness can still be healed. I got enough faith to believe that anything is possible with the God that we serve. Hear me? If nobody in the church needs any of it, what are we going to do? If we come into the house of God and everybody's saved, everybody's already got their healing. Everybody already has their miracle. What are we doing? If everybody in the four walls already has it all together, if everybody's already saved, sanctified, and on their way to heaven, what are we doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? We better be careful we're not turning our churches into glorified country clubs. And I have enough insider information to know that that's not you. I have enough stories that have been told over these last few days to know that that's not Lexington. That's not the identity of this church. This church is hungry for revival. This church, I, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Let me tell you, and we complicate, Jared, we complicate this. We were playing paintball yesterday, right? Oh, man. I should not be playing paintball. I'm too old, I'm too fat, and I'm a sissy. You guys, I gotta hurry. 28 minutes I've been going, I'm gonna hurry. I had to go, it's 953 degrees outside yesterday. And I'm getting ready, my wife, hey, just come up here and sing while I, okay. Um, I'm getting ready at the little hair B&B that we're at and, and uh, I'm getting my clothes on and I look at Lauren and it had to be this terrified look. I said, I don't have enough clothes. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared, babe. I said, I think I'm gonna go down to dirt cheap and find a jacket. She said, a jacket? That's not, not, the, uh, not the most manly thing I've ever said to my wife probably. So I did it anyway. I went down to dirt cheap. They didn't have anything. I went to a factory connection and I bought a winter coat yesterday. And I uh, wore that playing paintball. The good news is it didn't hurt really bad, but I died three times of heat exhaustion. <laughs> Everybody else was finishing the game. The last game, there, you know, it's like strategic. You're supposed to like hide. And I'm like, shoot me, please, for the life of God, shoot me. <laughs> and then I went and hung out in the air conditioning for the last two hours. But Let me tell you what it looks like. I had no idea why I was telling that, but now I remember. Yesterday, we paintball. And I know he's not here, but Caleb Clark, he probably had no idea that I heard this or saw this. 
But the little attendant there that was helping us, <clears throat> people already know who you are. We were in Jackson. How far is Jackson? 40, 30 minutes. At a little paintball course. And Caleb struck up a conversation with this random kid at the paintball course. And he began to talk to him about what was happening in Lexington. And the kid knew who you were. A random stranger in Jackson knew who you were. And Caleb began to invite him to church and shared information with him. We make this too complicated. You see, the truth is, is we put more on ourselves. We don't realize that it's not about us. It's not about our ability. It's just about being available. It's about being sensitive enough to the Spirit of God that when that little attendant gives an opportunity, then we say, okay, God, here it is. I'm just going to do the only thing I can do, and I'm going to tell him. That's what it, so I know, I know the culture of the church, I know. But listen, we don't want the enemy to creep in. You guys are moving into a new building. You guys are getting, you haven't arrived. Right. This, isn't, this isn't the completion. The truth is, right. and I wrote this down, the work is just getting started. Sure, the contractors are getting close to packing up their tools. Yeah, the, the work on site is going to slow down. But the work on the inside and the work that's happening with this church is only beginning. God didn't bless you with that church so that you could remain the same. God blessed you so that when you're playing paintball with some stranger, you keep telling that there's a church who believes in the power of God. Musicians, please come. God intended for this place to be a hospital. Hear me, hear me, hear me. The older I get, the less satisfied I am with church as normal, as usual. I prayed. I prayed to God that after this whole coronavirus thing, when the church was essentially, the building was shut down, you can't shut the church down if we're really the church. The truth is, the truth is, is that the virus really revealed a lot about who we are. Some people didn't, they survived the virus. They didn't survive quarantine. They were spiritually depleted because again, they've depended on what happens in here for feeding. And I believe that God was trying to show us I'm not, I'm not going to go deep into all of that. I can't tell you all about the reasons and the purposes of all of that. But I do believe that God was trying to reveal that I can shut down a building and it doesn't stop the moving of my spirit. You told me. Brother Nick told me. Even in quarantine, people were still having Bible studies. What? You mean you didn't have to open the church for people to hear about the word of God? because we understand yeah we get the power and we get surged and we get all of that but there's something that happens around dinner tables that can be as powerful as what happens in this building there's something powerful that happens at a paintball course that's as powerful as what happens in this room we just got to be sensitive enough to what God is speaking. We got to be sensitive enough to know when God is saying, there they are. There they are. There's an opportunity right there. They're hungry. See, God, he said, he said, if I be lifted up, 
on the cross it's the context of that if I be lifted up from the earth he said I'll draw all men unto me listen you can do everything you want you can build new buildings you can have awesome lighting you can do great sound systems you can have the greatest singing and all of that and you should and you, you, have, you have an amazing stuff but that is not the draw it can assist but that's not the draw you know what the draw is if I be lifted up from, all, from the earth I draw all men unto me can I just relieve some pressure tonight take the pressure off of yourself he already went to Calvary. He already did his part. All you got to do is be willing to step into the opportunities that he's placing before us. I believe that this church, Brother Ryan said it this morning, I believe that this church is primed for revival. It's already happening. You are over 100% capacity today. Fire Marshal would have shut you down. You're already there. You're going into the next dimension. And it's not time to check out. Stand with me. It's not time to check out. The enemy wants you to get satisfied with a major accomplishment. And I feel like God sent me not to be a downer, but to give you just another charge. Don't settle for a great new building. On this last Sunday night service, in this historic and monumental building that can tell stories of the power and the glory of God. I feel like God wanted me to remind you that the work is just beginning. Something supernatural, hear me. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. Something supernatural is happening in this church. Don't get stuck looking at it with your natural eyes. Open up your spiritual eyes. I've heard about the miracles that already happened to get you into that property. I've heard about what God has been doing in the middle of a pandemic. The atmosphere is changing in the city. The atmosphere is changing in Lexington. There's a shift that's taking place. I couldn't escape it this afternoon. God is drawing people from all over the city and all of the surrounding cities. Don't get too comfortable. Hear me. Don't get too comfortable. The work is just getting started. To whom much is given, much is required. I want to say it again because I believe it needs to sink into your spirit right now. To whom much is given, much is required. You've been given much. Now it's time to fill that building with souls. Would you lift your hands right now? Somebody open up your spiritual eyes right now. See what the Lord is doing. Somebody begin to call out right now. There. I believe there's going to be an impartation that happens right now. I believe there's about to be a spirit of evangelism that falls on this church that has never happened before in the name of Jesus. I speak to God. I pray a spirit of evangelism to hit this church like they've never experienced before. I pray that you would stir the heart of every man, every woman, every young man and every young lady in this room right now. I pray the Holy Ghost would come back again. Hallelujah. Set him on fire, God. Set him on fire, God. I pray that it would be 
have something burned out. I tried to give you a fire. You come with nothing in you. The world can take it away. You ought to be trying to end it right now. If you believe what I'm preaching, you ought to lift up your voice and begin to declare it. You ought to begin to claim it in the name of Jesus. Release it right now, God. I pray you would feel the weight, God, of the call to come and reach our world. Say, how bad do you want to see your mom say? How bad do you want to see your dad say?